God has been so wild lately. He doesn't seem to listen. He doesn't obey my commands, and we can't even bribe him with trees. He's gotten so out of hand, he may even have to be put down. God is not the problem here. The problem is the people who want to be the leader of the pack. We reintroduce God. We retrain people. You're listening to The God Whisperers. Hello, welcome to The God Whisperers. I'm Craig D'Onofrio. And I'm Bill Swirla. Today we're talking about Augsburg Confession, Article 14. Oh yeah. Order in the church. Order in the church. Like, <laughs> church can use a little order. The judgment, yes, right? Order is order the key the word here. So, Order, as in ordinance or ordained. As in ordnung. Alice in ordnung. Everything in order. Or, Look ordo. Look at us. We got right on the topic before ordo. I even gave out the phone taxes. number. The Greek word taxes. Taxes? No, not taxes. Or taxi. <laughs> taxes. Toxic? Tagma. <laughs> Hippotasis. Uh, hypotasis, I know that word. Yes, that's, Very the, well. that's the subordination That's word. the one that I yell at my wife just oh, before she chases me with a frying pan That'll That'll work. Hypotasis, yeah. hypotasis. Yeah. <laughs> that, that never works. <laughs> <laughs> that, that word is best heard and not spoken. <laughs> hey, if you want to uh, call the God Whispers hotline, you know what? I haven't even checked to see if we have any messages on there this week. So why, why bother giving them the number? You're the keeper of that, aren't I you? I know. I am. I've uh, fallen down on my duty here. Clearly. I, I can, can we share that? I mean, can, can you and I share that Skype number? Or is yeah, it, Oh, we'll have to do that. I, I've, yeah, I've, the, I've got my Skype up and running. It's Reverend Me, and the password is. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about that off <laughs> off air. Everybody calls in and yeah. starts checking our email. Then there's email. mischief. Yeah, then there's going to be There's a really problem. nothing gonna, to hear there anyway. We're so. going to be hacked. 626-593-7713 or Manly Doctors 13. Our favorite. Because we are the manly doctors. We don't know, not, neither of us have doctorates. Why, why do we details, do this? Details. Just details. It's that, fraud. We're, we're perpetuating a fraud here. Well, In more okay. ways than one. <laughs> C.F.W. Walter said that anyone who can rightly you know, do long gospel yeah. and is preaching should be called a doctor of the church. I'm, it's still out. The jury's still but, out, dude. Okay, so my, my theory here is I'm, about 8% of the time, I am a manly doctor. The rest of the time, not so much. A doctor, maybe. He didn't say oh, anything about manly. I got, I got hair everywhere, man. I'll show you. Stop. I'm taking stop. off my shirt. No, no, stop right now. There's nothing feminine about this body, baby. Oh, man. Except the man boobs. <laughs> <laughs> We've lost. We've lost all semblance of civility. It's completely off the rails. It's it's not only off the rails; it's gone over a cliff. It reminds me of those Seinfeld episodes with the bro, yeah, or the uh, the man's ear. Six two six five nine three seventy seven thirteen. Manly doctors thirteen. Bill, if people want to email us, how do they do that? Uh, that would be at godwhispers at gmail dot com. And we have a new idol that you've been we, worshiping. Oh, yeah, we are. Oh, I've been. We, oh. <laughs> I've been threatening this for a long time. We finally got the new website up and running. It's debugged. It's all. It, things are happening, uh, and that is at godwhispers dot com or. Godwhispers.org works too. We own like everything that has the term God Whispers in it. Well, if you correct me if I'm wrong, but if you go you to are Godwhispers.com, <laughs> aren't you just redirected to Godwhispers.org? Isn't it actually under Godwhispers.org? I, I think I think it actually is under. I think so. Yeah, I think you're right. I, it's a redirect. Yeah. So if you want to get, you know, if you want to save that microsecond of redirection, go to Godwhispers.org. Now, do we have Godwhispers.net? 
Uh, I don't think so. We should get that one and GodWhispers.uk and GodWhispers.ca and every country on the planet. Every civilized country that has electricity on the planet. We don't have the Ukrainian version. We don't need need it either. Um, No, it's a great, great website. I want to give just some on-air props to uh, our webmaster tech guru resident genius, Ted. Ted, yes, this golf clap. Nice, nice. Um, t- Ted, Ted is infinitely patient. You know, ever since ever since I got onto Google Chat, uh, I, I've given up email with Ted, and I just I just dial him up on 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 uh, Jabber, and uh, every time there's a problem, it's Ted. How come this doesn't work? You know, and so the first thing I get is, wait a minute, <laughs> and clearly he's dropping all business. And the guy's a programmer. He's a coder, you know. He's, so he's doing stuff, and I'm, I'm interrupting his day. And, and we've been doing this for about two weeks. And uh, but he's got. I think he's got this thing just running beautifully now. And and I love it. We it's a it's a it's a very fast site. You can download on the site instead of going having to go to iTunes. We got our iTunes. Well, you can still go to iTunes and subscribe. And we got all the gibberish off the, I, the iTunes. I don't know whether you were looking, but the iTunes feed was messed no, up. No, I didn't see that, but you told me about it. Yeah, it was pretty, it was distressing. But, and we, we added, we have open comments. So you, right. can, you can actually openly comment. They are moderated. Please and, don't spam us. <laughs> no, they, they are moderated, and uh, I get to approve them. So that's kind of fun. It's, it's kind of a little, about little bit of a power trip there. You don't even have administrative access to I this know. site. And no, I know. You, you keep it away from me. And I am purpose. taking great delight in that because I don't want this thing screwed up. Hey, Bill. <laughs> yeah. I don't want it. I know. <laughs> <laughs> And we have a guest. If something gets goofed up, you're going to just point at me and go, what did you do? We have a guest book now. Somebody suggested this to me. I thought All it was right, just that's a it. super. I'm going to the website. It was a super idea. We have a guest book so people can kind of sign in. I've never know? noticed the, the guest book. Yeah. Here. Oh, yeah. Check out our guest book. There it is. All right. There's the website. You know what? The, uh, that was the a suggestion. about... GW swag, all that. I'm going to suggest that the letters on that is a little bit bigger because it's hard to. It, you don't, that is the you template. Don't notice it. That is the template. Can't you, do anything about it. You can't make that like nope. a 14 nope. point or nope. Nope. it's got to be an 8 it's point. The, it's the template. And we went through a lot of templates before we found one that that was modifiable in the header and that that worked with what we were doing. So we ain't we ain't going back on this one. No, no. Uh, so right now we have seven guests on the guest book, and I recognize four of the seven. Right. So the uh, usual roundup of suspects. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe five of the seven. Anyway, no, it's it's nice and clean. It's easy to navigate, and if you have decent eyes, unlike me, uh, you'll have no problem finding well, just, your just way. Just click around. on the, uh, the 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 bigger screen thing, and you'll be fine. Oh, that's a good point. You know, just amplify yeah. your screen. Yeah. The other thing is, uh, we did get we we launched on Saturday. In fact, uh, Ted Ted gives me an IM that says uh, he's, he's he's thrown the switch and it's it's due to go at eleven a.m. So uh, you know I get on there and it, it was already working, but uh, hmm. and uh, and we'd been working at it all week and uh, you know I had some some people kind of beta test it too and just kind of mess around with it, make sure it was working, and uh, and then the initial reaction was they missed the pictures. Hmm. So then we, we figured out a way to get the pictures back in, too, because that was a little bit... That, that, oh, you that mean was, for each episode? Yeah, the episode pictures. I was going to leave that out, 
and just have just the bare text. But uh, the, yeah, but the, you seem to have a lot of fun finding the fa- yeah the Facebook stuff. feedback was uh, wow we really missed <clears> the pictures. So now I have the whole file. I have to get all the pictures back for the back episodes because I want I want the whole archive to be complete. So I have all the the uh, picture files from the old website. I just need to plug them back in. I didn't notice this. This is kind of a nice feature, and it makes a lot of sense. Uh, you have the share and enjoy thing. You can you know email episodes. You can or at least links. You can uh, put it on your Facebook. Yeah, you can Facebook or, it. Uh, yeah, Twitter all it. sorts of different networking stuff here. That's yep. really cool. So RSS. Um, I, I'm I'm really ple- really pleased with that, and I just want to thank Ted for all the hours he put into that. It's you know he's doing that kind of in between his real work and. Uh, after hours in the evening, and um, but but he's he's just great. He he just knows this stuff inside and out, and um, you know diagnoses all the problems. Thank you, Ted. And I just put up content. Simple, good stuff. So yeah, and the swag store is uh, <laughs> it's the swag store. We've made dozens of cents on this stuff. Not a dime. Well, except off of ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just sent out a big shipment of those prizes for the 10,000th. You know, I, was, I got generous, and then I'm thinking, what did I just do? Because I had committed to T-shirts and mugs and beer steins and all kinds of – I mean, I was in a party mood. That, that cost me. <laughs> you, got, you got a little carried away. You know, uh, Ted and I were talking about um, the possibility of maybe doing like a, a, an Amazon store. Hmm. On the site, where we could put up links to uh, books and yeah. uh, maybe music uh, and things like that, and uh, then if you do it through the site, you get a little bit of a kickback from uh, Amazon, and it's it's just a it's it's really easy to set up. But but I, I think that might be kind of an interesting thing to do is set up our own reading list. Might be a good idea. We we need to buy some new equipment. Or uh, one of our boards is dying. these things are terribly expensive. It's a couple hundred bucks. Are we going to make there, a but... heartfelt appeal for money? No, I'm just saying maybe some sort of revenue generating thing like that would be appropriate because. You know, we're pastors. We we make the big we are. big bucks and all, but <laughs> we're hosed. still, you know, it's <laughs> we're financially hosed at this point. <laughs> so the endless thread on the Wittenberg Trail is now up to eleven thousand three hundred and forty-five <laughs> with one hundred ninety-one members. That that thing frightens me. It it won't die. No, no, it 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 just it it frightens me. It it is like a tumor. And it, it just, it's, a, it's a tumor growing on the Wittenberg Trail. Oh, we're up to 73 replies on show ideas also. We're going to get thrown off the Wittenberg Trail just for sheer bandwidth alone. Well, that's, that's okay. what I'm thinking. Last activity an hour ago. Come on, guys. <laughs> Come on, a whole hour without a comment? That's not right. So are we going we gonna to take up AC-14 before no. the hour is up? Or, no, uh, I'm, I'm just done talking about all this stuff. Good. Going, good. I'm going now. We got housekeeping in. We got props in. We did get started on the topic, so why don't we get back to it? Oh, we can do that. I'm uh, going to read the German. I'll read the Latin. Is that the top one or the bottom it, one? It, it would be the top one. I'll read the top mm-hmm. one. <laughs> Tappert. <laughs> they, they need to put this on every page. German, Latin. I oh, just German, put, it, put it in like gothic script. <clears throat> oh, yeah. That would do it. too. Yeah. It is taught among us that nobody should publicly teach or preach or administer the sacraments, that's a lot of ors, in the church without a regular call. Yes, that's, that's it. That's the German. And the, uh, the Latin goes similarly that our churches teach that nobody should preach publicly in the church or administer the sacraments unless he is regularly called. Kind of an interesting, an interesting juxtaposition, I think. Is there an irregular call? Well, the, the, the term 
regularly is a, that's, that's, that's an interpretive translation on the part of Tappert. And, and this is where the original languages are, are really interesting, is in this article. Because in, in German, it's, it's the, it's, you need to have something. You need to have an ordered call. Mm-hmm. An ordentliche beruf, an ordered call. In the Latin, you need, you, you, it's kind of more of a state of existence. That is, you need to be rightly called. And right. I think rightly would be the better way to, it's, it's rite vocatus. Right. Rite, yeah. according to the right. I always understood it as in a normal manner or in a normal fashion you should be called, right? Yeah. Is that fair? That's not, that's not bad. It leaves a lot unsaid. Okay. You know, I think Melanchthon is being very cagey with this article. And, and this, this article, by the way, just to put it in, in perspective, this article, I think, goes with the next two. There's church order. There's church usages, things like liturgy, ceremonies, and then there's government, that Mm. is participation of the Christian in the civil sphere. And all of these are big Anabaptist issues. That is the ordained ministry, the liturgy, and participation in the state. And see, Eck was trying to, Johann Eck was trying to lump the Lutherans in with the Radical Reformation, the Anabaptist movement, that kind of stuff. And the Roman Catholics have been doing that ever since. Well, yeah, we're, we're always, you know, we're always Lump called Protestants. And, darn Protestants. But see, the first thing, Article 14, what's it addressing is who may preach or administer the sacraments in the church. And the answer is, unless you have an ordered call or you are rightly called, you may not do that. And that's Melanchthon's answer to X charge that uh, the Lutherans basically on the priesthood of believers, the doctrine of the priesthood of believers, had made every Christian a minister. Okay, now I'm going to ask the question that plagued me all through seminary and on my vicarage, and I still don't know as I've had a really good answer given me. Why do we allow seminarians and vicars to preach, but not administer the sacraments, (laughs) and why should they be allowed to preach if they aren't rightly called and ordained? Right. You know, and, and I've seen this kicked around even <clears throat> recently in, in uh, some, some internet discussions and the like on, on uh, vicar preaching. We are pretty clear that vicars are not supposed to preside at the sacrament. Right. Although, you know, it does happen. <clears throat> you know and I know that, that there well, yeah, but are local... Been... They've been licensed by the <laughs> well, district president. Yeah, there's all kinds of shenanigans around that. But <clears throat> the usual explanation that I've heard is this, that um, there is no other way to get concrete practice in preaching other than to get up in a pulpit and preach. Okay. See, and so, uh, and, and I, if I'm not mistaken, and this is off the top of my head by memory, but, but I think Walther had a thing about that where he, he did not consider vicar preaching to be like lay preaching because they were, they were basically pastors in training. Now, well, that's convenient, but well, the, the, the fact you know, is, why would you, why would you say that? What? Because that's what they are. Yeah, but I mean, it's not that I'm opposed to vicars and seminarians preaching. Heck, I wish mine would preach more or preach. Period. But I, I'm just, you know, kind of in in a quandary here because Article 14 seems to indicate that you're not supposed to do these things unless you're rightly called and ordained, but then how do we give them the practical experience that they need? And right. there's, there's that tension there. Well, you, you, you have that. <clears throat> the other thing is that, that Article 14 really doesn't make much of a distinction. It makes no distinction between preaching, teaching, and administering the sacraments. 
Hmm. That, that, it, they're all lumped together. Right. We, yeah. we seem to put them in different categories, that preaching is different from administering the sacraments. Mm-hmm. So we don't let vicars baptize. We don't let vicars administer the Lord's Supper, but we do let them preach. And so whereas AC 14 keeps them all together, as these are the, the tasks, the authorized tasks of the pastoral office, we seem to kind of subdivide them and say some tasks can be, uh, can be handed on to a vicar under supervision. That's the other proviso, right. is that vicar sermons are not really quite the same as the sermons that you and I preach, because they should, are supposed to have uh, somebody looking over the shoulder uh, of the production of that sermon, so they're not; they, those aren't unsupervised. But I have my vicar looking over my shoulder all the time, so. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> and 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 he, and he does a nice job in fixing things up. Too. <laughs> okay, so, yeah, but it, you know, you, you raise that issue of consistency, right? And I think this is this is a problem in in our Lutheran churches, especially in America. I don't know how it is worldwide, but I know it's a problem in America that we are inconsistent with how we treat the pastoral office. And I think we, we basically sow the bad fruit of that, incon- or we reap the bad fruit of that inconsistency. How does it work in other countries in their Lutheran churches? Do they have a diaconate? Or do you go through a, a diaconal phase where you're ordained as a deacon and then as a pastor? Isn't, that's how the Roman Catholics do it, isn't it? Um, you go through seminary, they make you deacon, you do your apprenticeship, your you know, vicarage of sorts as an ordained deacon, and then into the priesthood, if you know, I'm not mistaken. I, I don't know. I, all the bodies have, have adapted these offices. Strictly speaking, the diaconate was not a transitional office in, in, the, the, in the, early, uh, the early church and, and the structure of the ministry there. You had bishops, presbyters, and deacons. Mm-hmm. And the diaconate was not a transitionary thing. It was not kind of a warm-up to the presbyterate. Um, and, and presbyters and bishops were seen as holding the same office. Right. Just one had, one had broader jurisdiction. A, a bishop had a regional jurisdiction, whereas a presbyter had local jurisdiction. But they were seen as basically the same. Now, I've heard it said probably by you. I don't remember who said it. But uh, if you had a presbyter or a bishop, probably was determined on if you had like a Jewish background or a pagan background. The difference in the polities seem to indicate that there are just kind of different backgrounds that you probably came from, and, and one is not prescribed over the other, but they're just different. I, I if, think, you, if you have bishops, then you have deacons, if you, you know, and so forth. I think that's true in the first century, the, the apostolic century. Right. Um, I don't think that's true later. Uh, once you get into the second century, and it's von Kampenhausen who tra- traces the, the history of the development of the office of the ministry as an institution. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but it isn't until the second century that you get that, that layered threefold bishop, presbyter, deacon um, thing going on. In, Which in the, century was that? Second. Second, okay. So yeah. is that early? That's pretty early yeah. still. Oh, yeah. No, but you see it, and, and you can trace it via the, the ordination rites, or the rites that put uh, the various people into their offices. In the first century, though, in the New Testament, what you see is you see um, churches that are either governed by presbyters or they are governed by bishops. And the speculation here is that uh, that if... Presbyters are really an office that came out of the synagogue. That was those were right. the, the elders. You had right. to be sixty yeah. years or older, and they basically governed the synagogue. 
uh, it, or, or you had bishops, overseers, and, and that was really more modeled after the state, I would imagine. Uh, and, and, uh, and bishops and deacons go together. So in Philippians 1, it's addressed to the bishops of the church of Philippi and the deacons. So deacons were assistants to the bishop. Now, the bishop was actually the pastor, though, yeah, also, right? right, right so right. you didn't have the bishop, priest, and deacon, the threefold office at that point. You just had bishops and deacons. R- right, and, and bishops, the episcopoi, and the presbyteroi are basically interchangeable. They're just different titles for the same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, probably the most compelling thing is the later letters of Ignatius, as Ignatius is going off to his uh, <laughs> anticipated martyrdom, and he's writing all the churches. Curiously, when he writes the the church at Rome, he does not address a bishop because Rome doesn't have one, but he addresses the college of presbyters that, that govern the, the Roman churches. Ooh, wait a minute here. Peter didn't have someone no, par- following par- him there? <clears throat> Apparently that- not. No. So, so Ignatius, the, the letters to Ignatius are interesting because uh, of Ignatius wow. are interesting. Uh, I because, have some friends who are going to be very upset to hear that. Well, one. that's that's the way it is. By the time you get to the second century, though, you get this this <laughs> monarchical episcopacy where you have bishops as kind of regional rulers um, supervising uh, local presbyters who are all kind of uh, gathered in one region as, as they're like the congregational pastors, and then the deacons, which serve as the assistants, usually in, in social ministry and, mm-hmm. and and some of the sacramental stuff. They would distribute the sacrament. And, and things like that. So what we do today, you asked about today, it varies all over the place. Uh, and I can't really speak toward Catholic or, uh, or Orthodox things. I'm aware of there being transitional diaconates right. where they're kind of, it, it's a, a stepping stone toward the priesthood. Um, I do know that in the Russian Lutheran or the Siberian Lutheran Church, I have some some familiarity there. There they do uh, use the diaconate as kind of a transition. So mm. a guy is ordained as a deacon first, and he has he he can do certain things under the supervision of of uh, a pastor or or the bishop, and then uh, when he's proven worthy, then he's he's moved on to uh, to basically being ordained as a pastor. I, I see benefits and drawbacks to having vicars. I, I think on one hand, maybe we should just ordain them as deacons so that they could do a lot of this work unencumbered. But on the other hand, I really like having vicars because we can stick it in the in the eye of the Roman Catholics that, you know, the guy who works under their pastor has the same title as the Pope. So I'm, I'm okay with that <laughs> yeah, one. Well, it's the only time that we use the term <laughs> bishop. And, and I think it's silly, actually. But it's the only time that we use the word bishop is the guy who supervises a vicar. Right. So um, shouldn't it be a, a deacon? I really? never, I never refer to to my supervisor on vicarage as a bishop. He was my vicarage supervisor, and and that's that's the end of that. I had all sorts of names for mine, but usually <laughs> I didn't say them to his face. I had a gr- I had a truly great vicarage uh, beyond the fact that I met my wife on my vicarage. But I, I had a I had a magnificent vicarage and a really wonderful relationship with my supervisor. We 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 just we really hit it off, and it was a great year. Actually, I I had a good relationship with mine, but he was just a screaming liberal. And, oh, uh, yeah. you know, so I, I'd walk out of Bible studies, just ripping my hair out. <laughs> and, just, uh, and, you know, I have to say myself over and over again, I'm just a student here. I'm just learning. So keep your yap shut, which, you know, is not easy for me to do. Now, reflecting on my own vicarage experience, though, uh, I did, I think I did benefit from the, I think I preached about once a month on the average, a little bit more in the summer. And uh, and so it was a good experience. It was a big congregation. I got used to preaching in front of a lot of people, and 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 it was it was good. I I, I think that it 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 helped 
um, you know, my formation as a preacher. Is there a better way to do it? I don't know. I really don't know. I think I, my experience, I don't know about yours, but my experience at the seminary was I don't think seminarians uh, preach enough as a classroom exercise. Hmm. When I teach homiletics uh, down at Irvine to the, uh, the, the, the program down there, I would have the guys get up and give five-minute sermons, mm-hmm. but, but a lot. Just have them get up and talk. It's a good idea. Um, because preaching is a, it's an oral exercise. And I think, I think the classroom ought to be less theory and more practice because mm-hmm. it really is a practical exercise of putting the faith into expression and proclaiming it. Did you put them through the 16 steps of writing a sermon? No. <laughs> How many steps do you use when you write a sermon? I use like two. I use three. There's read the text, rip my hair out, and write the sermon. Well, That's usually I, I, about I, I use three. Sense. Basically, the question one, what's the point? Um, and the point may vary. If I come back to it three years later, the point may be a little different. But what's the point I want to talk on this, this Sunday? Uh, question two, what's, what's the gospel? That is, what, what of Jesus is the text delivering? And then question three, what's the law? What's getting in the way of that Jesus that needs to be cleared out? So you, that's, you and I do it pretty much the same then. Right. Yeah. It, I, I approach the text. The first thing I say is, where's Jesus? And where's the rest for my soul in this? And why is my soul tortured over this? So it's, it's pretty close. Now, one, one thing we have to address up front here, uh, and that is what's at stake in, in this article. And, and the, the question, I think there's a difference between a Roman Catholic approach to the office and the Lutheran approach to the office. Because, because in the Catholic approach, the office, the office is seen as, as in ordination, the priest receives a power. Uh, expressed right. as an indelible character. It's something that inheres to him that basically uh, empowers him to really to, to do the sacrament, mm-hmm. basically to, to do the, the miracle of transubstantiation. But it also, it also basically empowers his words. That is, his words have different power than your words or my words do, which is why the Catholics do not recognize a Lutheran Lord's Supper. It's just invalid because you and I are not valid ministers. Yeah, good for them. They will, rec- <laughs> they will recognize Lutheran baptism, but only by the provision of lay baptism. They would consider a baptism that we performed as a lay baptism, and because they, they accept lay baptism, they would accept ours. That's, that's basically how they, how they reason that. Hmm. Now, in the Lutheran church, and it's the different, difference between the words can and may, See, okay. see uh, a Roman Catholic would say the unordained cannot preach with authority and cannot administer a proper sacrament. A Lutheran would say that the unordained may not do these things. Or here it says should not. Well, should is... is, is, that, is that goes with may. It's permissive. Right. That's right. That is, it's not a question of any inherent ability, but it's a question of authority. Right. Is it permitted for you to do this? And, and ordination is what permits you to, to speak and to act in, in this capacity. And so that's kind of what's at stake here. And I think that's why Melanchthon is a little cagey, because he does not want to get into um, priestly consecration, indelible character, transubstantiation. All he wants to deal with is the authority of the pastoral office. Hmm. So I, I guess one of the things that is standing out to me here is that we recognize that even if somebody who is not ordained were to consecrate the Lord's Supper, we wouldn't stand up and say, that's not the Lord's Supper. We should say, eh, that wasn't done 
in proper order and, and rightly. Is that fair? See, that's tricky because there, there are going to be some who say it is not a Lord's Supper because it was not done according to the Lord's order. Mm. Okay, and, and I think you could make a good case for that. We got to take a break. We'll be right back after this. Welcome back to the God Whispers. I'm Craig D'Onofrio. And I'm Bill Swirla. And we're talking about Article 14 of the Augsburg Confession. Before we get into that, I want to tell you about something going on over at New Reformation Press. Bill didn't even know that I was going to do this. Man. They're having a 10% off everything pre-Christmas sale right now. So get over there and jump on that. It's only for a few days. So by the time that this airs, you'll have like two or three days left before it's over. How many shopping days before Christmas, Craig? I have no idea. Do you know? <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't really know. I don't pay attention to that until there are seven. I usually worry about it on Christmas Eve yeah. pretty much. Yeah, that's, that's a good That's a good. No. I, I, about a and week. then I run to CVS and buy gift cards for everyone. <laughs> about, about a week before. <laughs> Unless I'm building things. This, this year may be a crafts year again. It was one two years ago. Where uh, the wood shop starts cranking out stuff, I'm, I've been thinking. So very, very good. Little little inlay boxes and that kind of stuff. So anyway, go over to our friends at New Reformation Press. Get your Treasury of Daily Prayer, your Bible in an hour, your cool T-shirts, Doctor Rosenblatt's this, that, and everything, and uh, support our friends there. They they need money. So <laughs> they need money, so we, and you need their stuff. We need money too. So support them, and they don't give us anything, but we like them. So. Usually. For the most part. Right. Yeah. Except when they're... You know, we Back to AC-14. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When we left off, uh, the question that was on the table basically is that if a layman were to consecrate the Lord's Supper, is it really the Lord's Supper or is it just done in bad order? And, and Swirla was pontificating away on this when time ran out. So do you remember where you were exactly there? Yeah, uh, the, on the, I'm sort of responding on the one hand and on the other hand. Uh, uh, on the one hand, a case can be made that, that it's unauthorized, that the person has no authority to do it. Um, and, and therefore, it is not uh, a proper Lord's Supper. It would be like you or I going and making an arrest, and uh, not under the aegis of, say, a citizen's arrest. We just decided, you know, we're going to be law enforcement for a day because it would be kind of cool. And hmm. we're just going to go out and look for some riffraff and arrest them. Uh, we're the ones who are going to get arrested for impersonating an officer is what we're going to do. Pretty much, yeah. And uh, I don't think that our actions would be viewed as valid actions uh, by, the, the, uh, the, by society and by law enforcement. Uh, and so the, the question, when we say that the sacraments must be administered according to the institution of Christ, uh, the question on the table is, do we simply mean by that to take the stuff that Jesus took, in the case of the Lord's Supper, bread and wine, and to say the words that he said? Is that all that means? Or does it mean also to do it according to the order that he has given? Okay. And and the argument there goes that Jesus gave the sacrament with the the command do this for my remembrance to his apostles, not to his larger group of disciples, not to his mother, uh not to anybody but the 12 minus 1. Okay, so this leads us to the question that we we fear 
getting hate mail for from certain ladies. What about women's ordination? Well, it's hang on because it's tied in. The, on the other hand, oh, you're not done yet. No, see, there's the well, other then why hand. Did you pause if you're not because done. I was thinking. The the on the other hand, you look at me. And you're holding this vacuum like conversationally, <laughs> Craig. It's your turn. And I'm, okay, <laughs> well, well, I'll fill that vacuum, and then you say, "Wait, I'm not done." I, so wanted, I wanted to see what you would do. <laughs> <laughs> You're the pro here. I I, I just babble. I'm, I'm turning down my microphone now so I can say what I really think. I'm just <laughs> well. You could gesture it too. I'm sure. <laughs> just quickly, on the other hand, there is a danger in making in making the sacrament contingent on the office as the Roman Catholics do, and and so that you know what what makes the sacrament the sacrament is the word of Christ, but. Having said that, you know, who is authorized under these circumstances to speak the word of Christ, that his eye is, is Christ's eye? Now, this is getting into your second point then. And that is, that is uh, what we hold and what we're holding here is that where the church is, there is an office that speaks and represents Christ before the church. Not necessarily before the world. I don't know how you feel about this, Craig, but to my neighbors, I am not pastor. Right. I'm a priest in the sense of a baptized Christian, but I'm not a pastor. I'm not their pastor unless they join my church. To my neighbors, I'm that guy who married Paula who's lived here for a while. Right. Yeah, just kind of moved in one day and didn't nobody quite knows why. And, and but but you know, I'm I'm a friend, I'm a neighbor, I'm a citizen, but I'm not a pastor to my neighbors unless they are members of my congregation. Here's one that always strikes me as odd, and this is way off the topic, but I'll walk past my neighbors and my collar, wave to them and all the rest, and then I come home, and then like two or three days later, they'll look at me and say, what do you do for a living? All right. <laughs> I've had that. I've had that. I dress like a priest yeah, and roll right. around. <laughs> yeah, <right>. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's the collar and the, and, the, and the khaki shorts that throw them. Yeah, well, you know. Yeah. And, and, and you're, you're toting your golf clubs. So it's just, you know, it, it presents kind of a mixed. Disconnect. Yeah, I think I'm a golf pro. They're having trouble just kind of making the connection. That's all. <laughs> but, you know, I think there's a, there's a danger here. And, and, and I'm not fully resolved in this. I'm just laying this out for people to think about and for us to, to think about here, too, is that it, it, it all resides with the word of Christ. And yet the word of Christ always comes in a context. It's not just kind of this, this nebulous, abstract word. And, and so, so I tend to err on the side of, of not creating doubt, really, which is, I think, the most mm -hmm. Lutheran way of saying it. Right. Is that when you start tinkering with not only the elements and the words, but the order, and this is about order in the church, you are creating doubt. Right. And you're, you are raising the opportunity for the kind of question you're asking, which should not be asked in the church of God. Well, we have questions that we're dealing with, like, what is lay ministry? Right. What, I mean, that is an oxymoron in and of itself. <laughs> By definition, if you are doing ministry in the sense of word and sacrament ministry, you are, you are, doing, um, you are doing the work of the office. You're not a layman. Right. Now, this may be authorized or unauthorized, but you're not doing the work of the laity. Now, in our church body, you can be licensed by a district president to consecrate the Lord's Supper, to preach, and basically to function as a pastor without ordination. I just don't see how that's congruent with this confession. No. In fact, this is, this is the, the weak-eyed second cousin it's it's kind of what we cook up when we when we refuse to do what we've been given to do, because when well, Melanchthon says an ordered call 
ordentliche Beruf, when he says rite vocatus, rightly called, what he means by that is that you are examined, that you are called to a particular place, and you are ordained. And that is that, that there's a public testimony that your call is in order. You know, as, the, as the tractate says, that, that ordination is a confirmation, and not a mere confirmation, it is the confirmation of uh, the, the orderedness of the call. I, I, you know, looking at this from someone who didn't grow up with all of this and kind of coming from the outside, I, I kind of think that the institution of the Missouri Synod has set up um, a, a basic set of rules that says, well, in order to be ordained, you have to have the blessing of a seminary and uh, be licensed by the, uh, by the authorities uh, to be ordained. And so this is kind of an end run on the rules that they set up, which aren't necessarily biblical rules. I mean, they're not anti-biblical by any stretch of the imagination, but it's the rules that we set up for ordination. And how are we going to do an end around on our own rules instead of saying, well, you know what, maybe we need to have a board that will just examine guys that maybe went to another seminary that were uh, converts to Lutheranism three or four years ago and are truly knowledgeable in our confessions and fit for ministry instead of saying you have to go to St. Louis or Fort Wayne for the next four years to prove yourself again. Uh, you know, now we have all of this lay ministry and all this other stuff coming around as an end run on this. Well, I, I, I yeah, I agree. What what it is though, and and I think you, you you're close. There's two things at stake here. Uh, the one is what is the proper preparation for a man for to hold this authority? Okay, and that's a question of education, experience. Um, that he's tested, you know, in the ancient church the, and, and still today, at ordinations, the uh, the the word. Uh, or the words uttered by the people when when one is ordained is 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 axios he is worthy mm-hmm. and ducimus he is tested yeah. you know and that's kind of a summary of First Timothy three where Paul lays out some criteria not all men are qualified for the office right you know but, that if if they have a bad reputation if they're known to be quarrelsome if they're multiply married or these kinds of things the, the this it doesn't disqualify them from the church it what, just disqualifies them from the office second timothy the uh those tested the dokimoi fanoroi those tested and approved right do we really have to do four years of seminary to be tested? See, th- and those are those are our rules, but that's but, what I'm saying. But see, the other side of it, and I think these two have to be tweezed apart. The other side of it is the authorization. What authorizes you to preach, teach, and administer the sacraments in our churches? Our confessions say that you are to be examined, called, and ordained. You know, not not these not these kind of semi ordinations of licensing right. or yeah. or I'll fill out a paper and sign it and it's good for one year, but then we'll, you know, here's the problem with some of those is is it gives all the control back to the institution mm-hmm. because because now you know oh we don't we don't like what you're doing so we're gonna we're not gonna renew your license we're gonna unlicense you yeah but or, we can't like ordain you is the problem here, <laughs> well you so. can you can be removed from office you can be deordained you can be removed from the roster of the Missouri Synod, but, uh, you know, if your church decides to go with you, voila, you're independent Lutheran church with the, with a pastor that's not rostered with the Synod, but he's still your pastor. Yeah, but, still but if, duly ordained. if your congregation decides you're done, you're done. You are deordained. Yeah, that's true. You know, and, and if, you, if you prove to be uh, incompetent or if you prove to be a heretic, you ought to be deordained. Uh, no, I agree. I agree. You know, Luther had a good little quote in 1523 to his letter to Prague, the Senate at Prague, where they were wrestling with this issue. And he, he basically distinguished the priest from the minister, priest in baptism. He says, priests are, are born. 
and ministers are made. Hmm. And he said, what is made can be unmade. Was that his letter to the Bohemians? Yes. Is that the one? Yes. Yeah, it's, a, it's, one. it's a key letter because what it does is it addresses the issue, can you have pastors apart from the bishops and their apostolic succession? Mm-hmm. And Luther's answer is an unequivocal yes. Isn't that where he makes a statement that it's better to go a lifetime without the Lord's Supper than to receive it in a disingenuous way like this? That Well, that's his first provision, that, that fathers are to teach and baptize their own children when, there's no, when they have no, no congregation, no pastor. And, but he said, don't, don't celebrate a Lord's Supper on your own at your own table because right. that's, that's kind of dubious. However, he goes on. If you can get 10 families, he says, and he's using the synagogue precedent of 10 men form a synagogue. Okay. Um, if you can get 10, 10 families together and agree to be a congregation, they can select one from among them and call and ordain him to be pastor. Mm. And so it's a bootstrap process. And, and the treatise, on, the second part of the treatise in, our, in the Book of Concord deals exactly with the same thing, where it says, I just want to read this again, because it, it's, this is right behind, this is Melanchthon, same, same guy, um, speaking here. He says, wherever the church exists, the right to administer the gospel also exists. It, it, it's one and the other, because the church is a creature of the word. And the church must Mm -hmm. hear the word or it ceases to exist. Wherefore, it is necessary for the church to retain the right. Now, listen, to retain the right of calling, electing, and ordaining ministers. There's your rite vocatus, calling, Mm -hmm. ordaining, and electing. Now, how you choose them, how they're educated, this is varied throughout history. You know, Mm -hmm. early church, you, you learned at the feet of your bishop. When, when that was your seminary. You just hung out with the bishop, and he taught you. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, you know, uh, Augustine pretty much yes. just studied at the Ambrose. of Ambrose. That's, right. for, that's exactly it. Um, when did this whole divisions within Lutheranism come about? Do you have any idea? I mean, you see it throughout American Lutheranism a lot with uh, what do you Leia mean? and Grabau well, and no, no, Walther. What, what and, do you mean divisions? I, I, the, the statements of fellowship. We're a Lutheran church body who's in fellowship with that Lutheran church body, but not with that Lutheran church body. Well, that's, I mean, that doesn't have anything to do with the ministry here. No, it doesn't. But Why are you asking? It, well, it does. <laughs> it does because, you know, if... Uh, if I came into the Missouri Synod from the ELCA, they'd make me go through extra training and that sort of thing. So there, there is that uh, fellowship division, ultra-pulpit fellowship, that is also tied to the ministry in a lot of ways. American Lutheranism is a unique thing, as, as American Christianity is unique. Yeah, it is. Um, especially if you're looking at forms of Christianity that come via the immigrants. If you're looking at evangelicalism, that, that is something that grew up native on American soil. That's an American native. Mm-hmm. And that's why it grows fairly well here. Hmm. Because it's it's the it's the successor to the the revivals the Finney, Finney revivals it's the marijuana that, of Christianity. You don't have to go that way. It's it's <laughs> it's just simply revivalism kind of come to the stadium and the auditorium. They, we, they don't use tents anymore. They got a better sound system, but it's the same theology. Yeah, it's the same Arminian decision based, uh, heart based, emotion based theology. Um, however, if you look at anything that, that came from with immigrant groups, Roman Catholicism, Eastern Orthodoxy, Lutheranism, any of these, um, the, the transplant onto American soil has always been difficult because they came from basically national churches or state churches. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Lutherans came from regional churches. Mm-hmm. 
And, and those churches were governed by a consistory, which was kind of a regional committee that, that looked over the whole, uh, the whole area. But you had a certain degree of uniformity from one region to the next. And it's a holdover from the Peace of Westphalia and the end of the Thirty Years' War, where each, each region was governed by the religion of the prince. Mm-hmm. You know, his religion, uh, the, the religion of the prince is the religion of the region. And uh, so you had sort of the state church model in operation. Now, when you come to America, you don't have a state church. No. It's a free-for-all. And so the immigrants come and they sniff around and they look to see who's there and are they in agreement or not. And so that's where you, that's kind of the start of all these little tribal things. Well, and I got to imagine in Lutheranism it was do we share the same language? Also, language a is a, that's right. Language is a huge component. I mean, in our church body, it wasn't until in the 1920s, pretty much, that you would find English services. And that was with the import of the English Synod into the Missouri Synod, where finally English was starting to be spoken in, in our churches. Uh, so, of course, if you were German, you would gravitate toward the Missouri Synod. You wouldn't go to the Swedish Synods. They don't speak the same language. Right, and, and the predecessor, the, the, the bodies behind the church bodies we have now, uh, you know, like the LCA was, was predominantly a Scandinavian right. body, is Swedish-Norwegian. The <clears throat> ALC was German, but different Germans than the Missouri Synod. Oh, so then you have the uh, Bavarians versus the Saxons and that sort of thing That's going right. on. Yeah. And, and, so, and, and they all are bringing their own regional baggage and basically setting up their own version of a state church in America, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. But, but this creates some, some interesting issues. And as you say, uh, when you have language barriers, how are you going to test your, your fellowship in doctrine if you don't understand each other's nouns and verbs? It's not going to happen. You know, and the other, the other problem with Lutheranism is that a lot of this immigration took place in the 19th century, mm-hmm. which is you have Lutheranism uh, nearly destroyed by rationalism. Mm-hmm. And the revival, the confessional revival under Klaus Harms, celebrating the 300th anniversary of, of the Reformation, you know, in 1817, he issues a new set of 95 theses <laughs> and basically calls the Lutheran church out to repentance and to go back to the old way. And so that's where you get guys like Leia, like mm-hmm. Walther, uh, like Stefan. Stefan was the, the, the architect of, of the Saxon immigration, but he was, he was part of this confessional revival of the 19th century. And that's what we're heir to. We're, right. we're trying to carry this on in the 20th and 21st centuries now. Well, that made sense 150 years ago when we had all these immigrants coming with different languages and stuff. But does it really make sense today? Well, <laughs> I think you always have to tap in on where are you. Yeah. In other words, you, you have to look around and listen and, and uh, check in as those who are professing to be Lutherans, uh, are they adhering to the Book of Concord? Are they worshiping as Lutherans? Are they proclaiming the gospel as Lutherans have understood it? And, and I don't think you can take any, any tribe for granted. One of the things that's but interesting... We're way off the topic, dude. No, Man, we gotta, watch this. Are you going to bring it back? Watch this. I'm watching. It's a thing of beauty right oh, here. Okay, here it comes. One of the things that seems to separate us is ordination. Ah, ordination of women ah, in one nice. synod, in another synod, everyone a minister. Sweet. And then in ours, just mass confusion, <laughs> everyone a minister, don't ordain women, but, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of this melee kind of thing. You know, and that's right, because what you have is, is you have... Uh, what I would call a failure of the nouns and the verbs across the board. When you are using terms like, like uh, minister, 
deacon in a variety of ways. It, when, we, when we make deacons basically into presbyters by authorizing them to preach and administer the sacraments, we're creating ecumenical confusion. But then we do in our church have deaconesses and deacons that actually function in a role that would be a biblical kind of model right. where they actually are assistants to the pastor and, and acting as the hands of the ministry for the pastor and waiting on tables, all that kind of thing. Yeah, and I would say that especially the Deacon S program, uh-huh. uh, yeah, I have doubts. I'm not sure how historic, deeply historic Deaconess <laughs> is, but, but certainly Leia in the 19th century saw value in that. I, I have a great aunt, had a great aunt. She's, she's long departed, but uh, um, she was a Leia deaconess. She, hmm. she, she lived in Bavaria. She lived in the, the, the mother house there, the mother house. She was a nurse, uh, tended to basically uh, an operating room nurse. And then um, she would do rounds of praying with the, the women in the hospital. And, and she wore a nun's habit. I have a picture of her. It's, it's really quite remarkable. Hmm. Uh, but she lived in what amounted to a convent. Were they allowed to be married? Um, I don't know. Uh, Probably she, not and live in the convent. No, but. she wasn't. Uh, but, but she was Lutheran. And, and, and Leia was instrumental in, in bringing the deaconess movement to, to Lutheranism. But, but getting back to your question, we, we have a problem. Uh, and it creates a fellowship problem when one branch of Lutheranism ordains women mm-hmm. and other branches do not. Well, I have a friend who was in the ELCA seminary when they started that union with the Episcopalians, and all of a sudden their ordination was tied to the Episcopalian bishop's ordination, or, or you know, now all of a sudden... Indirectly, yeah. Yeah, and he basically extended the middle finger of disfellowship and left. <laughs> yeah. uh, but, you know, God bless him for having that kind of fortitude. Here he is, you know, three years in a seminary, and then this happens, he's, nope. I'm done. Yeah, and then he finds out he's missing the goody that, that makes his makes his ordination real. Well, he's you know? he, he but gave up on ministry altogether, you know. But l- that's... let me you 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 cornered me on the the sacrament. I'm going to corner you. So you tell me, give me your take on women's ordination, women in the office. Well, you know there are a lot of different really good uh, articles that have been written, but one that I go to on a regular basis is one written by David Scare a few years back, probably about ten years ago, and he makes the case that. These women are playing pastor, but because Paul makes this case from the order of creation that women ought not to do these things, they're basically acting as pastors, but they aren't really pastors. Now, the difference is that doesn't nullify everything that they do because we're not Donatists. You know, we, we aren't saying that uh, you know, the sacraments or the word are dependent on the faithfulness of the person administrating them. Uh, or administering them, depending on what kind of English you speak. Um, but at the same time, these things ought not to be done this way, and these are people who cannot rightly be called and ordained, simply by reason of the order of creation. So if I, I hear you correctly, what you're saying is that, that they, they hold the office illicitly. Yeah, that's a good way of saying it. Um, but nevertheless, their sacramental acts are valid over and against the illicitness of, of their being in the office. Yeah, okay. and, and if I'm not mistaken... And, and you're using the, the precedent of the Donatists and, and the efficacy of the word apart from the worthiness of the administrant. Correct, Amundo. Okay. And, and if I'm not mistaken, Luther himself said something to the effect of even if the devil was rightly called and ordained, it would not you know, nullify... The baptism of people and that sort right. of thing. Right. Or his mother, he said. The devil or his mother, which is an interesting... Uh, <laughs> That's right. I forgot a, about that. Yeah, it's a memorable phrase. Yeah. Um, I, I would counter with this is, is that I agree 
um, that they they. Well, I'm not sure they hold the office. I, I, w- I would say it is it is I- illicit to ordain a woman. Uh-huh. It is contrary to the scriptures. You know, Paul is very clear. He's most clear, I think, in First Timothy, where he says, "I do not permit a woman to teach or have authority." Right. Um, he, I think he's less clear in First Corinthians 11 because I'm not sure what's going on there particularly because it seems to be uh, speaking to the behavior of wives in the presence of their husbands. Right. Um, so I'm going to leave that one off the table. But, but you can go to First Timothy three also, where Paul simply says, uh, you know, a bishop should be a man who has all. Well, these. yeah, and, and then and then it, it, it that's right. One of the first qualification of a bishop is that he be a male. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Right. So now, it, granted, the scripture doesn't fully unpack why. It's a little bit like Leviticus. Why can't you eat lobster? Answer: I am the Lord your God. Um, but I think it invites that. Paul certainly talks about the connection to Eve. Uh, he also talks about the ordering of creation. And, and I think these are, something, these are things that can't be neglected. You can't leave them out of the conversation. Um, are any one of them clinchers? I don't, I don't think so. Um, I, I would add to this, I, I think there is a, a very strong connection between um, the fact that Christ is male mm-hmm. and his office reflects that. In the ancient uh, Hebrew, you know, the term shaliach is the Hebrew behind apostle, apostolus. And, and a man could not send a woman to do his business in his stead and by his command. So oh, a, a that's woman, just because it was a male-dominated, chauvinistic society. And, you know, perhaps, that. perhaps. <laughs> or it, it, may, it may be an indication that there is a strong connection between uh, that, that gender matters, mm-hmm. you know, and that, that they're, it's not interchangeable, and that, that a, a woman cannot represent Christ in his incarnation without creating a kind of a strange backspin. Hmm. See, mm-hmm. and, and this is right. I would turn to like Ephesians 5, where the relationship of Christ and the church is the relationship uh, of husband and wife. And if you have a woman representing the groom, you have a kind of a creepy look. <laughs> Yeah, okay. Isn't that true. You know, and and that that goes into the whole modern conversation now of gay marriage, which is interestingly a hitch along issue. Well, now in the ELCA it certainly is, isn't it? You know, this this is something that has been said for 30 some years when 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 the attempt was made to argue that there's neither male nor female in Christ and therefore gender is irrelevant in the new creation. That opens the door wide open to saying gender is irrelevant across the board. Okay, so how do you answer that? Well, that, that this is a misuse of that passage in <laughs> Galatians 3. It's referring to inheritance, and it's referring to our baptism and the fact that women and men both inherit salvation before Christ, before Christ right. on their own. You know, there's a woman is not hitched up to a man to be in the covenant. She stands in the covenant entirely on her own. Same with slave and free, same, same with circumcised and uncircumcised. I, I think the other thing is that, you know, St. Paul wrote this in a culture of male dominance, et cetera, et cetera. I think that falls flat because the pagans had priestesses. Yes, they did. In, in Paul's day, it was not uncommon to go find a priestess. And you had women in, in high positions in society, too. I think this is an, an anachronism and a myth that this is some kind of tribal, male-dominated, patriarchal society. It's not. Right. I mean, it's, it may not be as equalitarian as our society, but it's certainly not, uh, you know, the, uh, some sort of tribal society where women were just basically clubbed and thrown over people's shoulders and taken to the cave. Uh, so... 
my point, though, is that that I, I agree in 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 part that uh, a woman can't licitly hold the office. I don't think she holds the office at all, and not holding the office at all. I don't think that that what she does is real is 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 valid. What about the baptisms? We we have lay baptism again. I'm going to use the there same argument right. that Roman Catholics okay. do: is is that we have we have lay baptism. I'm not going to pass final judgment on the sacrament, but to say there's so much doubt there, I don't care if I haven't been to the sacrament in 50 years, I would never receive it from the hands of a female presider. There's that much doubt. Well, I wouldn't either, and I I would lean to the fact of it's just wrong. I mean, it, it I. Probably wouldn't go forward if it were the devil who was rightly called and ordained either. Well, the trick there, and you can't really invoke that because the devil otherwise appears right. So even if, even if it's the devil's mother, she appears as a rightly called and ordained servant of the word. Everything looks right, but then you discover afterwards it was the devil or his mother. And that's where Luther invokes the word over and against this. And that's the Donatist. The Donatist mm-hmm. thing, everything looks right. You just don't know this little factoid. They renounce the faith. Right, right. And when you discover that, then, then you know, you're going to go into conniptions. There's no surprise that you got a woman in front of you. <laughs> usually. It is what it is. Usually. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I was at the Angels game the other night. And cheap, there was, cheap shot. All right, no, <laughs> there was, there was someone you, that was like, you know, you know what I'm saying know. there. There's nothing. There's nothing hidden here. That that you know you've got a female presider, over and against two things. One is the scriptures, and two, the constant witness of the Catholic tradition up until most recent times. Hmm. You know, I, you can't yeah. ignore that. That the church throughout all times has basically affirmed this. That this is a male office, and, and being the manly doctors. We'd like that. We, <laughs> yes. We, and this is no slight on women at, no, at all. It's not. This is, this is like saying a man can't be a mother. Well, you know, I've said this before. I've had people in my church who have said, well, pastor, you're fancy. You know, you wear all your vestments and everything. And we want to be more like you. And I, I say, why do you want to be like the waiter just because he's wearing a tuxedo? You know, that, that doesn't make sense. We're out of time. we got to take a break until our next episode. Episode. <laughs> nice ending. God bless. We'll see you soon. Jesus is a friend of mine. Jesus is my friend. Jesus is a friend of mine. I have a friend in Jesus. Jesus is a friend of mine. Jesus is my friend. 